Hey, this is Jason and Mark with Interman Radio. A free service to thinkers everywhere, demystifying the Bible by asking the questions your neighborhood pastor is afraid to answer. All right, Mark, uh, this is our uh, post-COVID craziness uh, episode. I don't, has, has the craziness officially passed? Yeah, I'm, not, or has, I'm not so sure. <laughs> it's the pre-post COVID craziness episode. You never know when this thing will end, but it's, it's great to be uh, sitting six feet from you and, and doing this uh, Interman <laughs> yes. Radio with masks on. We're really grateful to be doing that. A lot of, a lot of things have, uh, have changed in our world seemingly over the last several months. It would seem like just at a, if, if, if a person just kind of checked out for three months and then checked back in right now, they'd, they might see a world that looks different. Yeah, you got any more uh, in more insight on that? Other just, than yeah. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That'll well, do well, it. Yeah, like Rip Van Winkle. Yeah, I mean, you'd yeah. think you were walking in the twilight zone, or that there's a dentist convention on every corner. You know, some things don't change. Ooh, how's that for a really cheesy segue, right? <laughs> <laughs> some things don't change. You know, there's there's uh, some protests going on across the nation, even today, actually, uh, uh, over. Uh, an incident where a man was killed by some police officers. And uh, the goal of this episode isn't to get into all that, but it does illustrate for us uh, the question over what is and isn't moral. And uh, really, whether or not the Bible itself, and we started this conversation in the last episode, whether or not the Bible or Christianity in particular is immoral. And for the for the listener who's not a Christian or the person who's a non-believer, uh, that might be a particularly pertinent question because I'm sure that a lot of folks out there listening really have been taught or have heard that the Bible is immoral on its face, and it's even contradictory to itself, which would make it immoral, uh, and that God is a God of of racism and of genocide and things like that. <clears throat> so that teaching is out there. Yeah, and that's not uncommon for people to have been exposed to those objections, and and uh, not without some cause. I mean, I'm I'm grateful that you know people are considering those and they're and they're talking about those things. Our world doesn't. Our culture is really struggling to find what is moral. Um, we're, as you said, very much in a period of transition. And um, you know, I was in uh, Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. He describes. You know, he tries to deal with the morality issue. He, and he uses the term, it's a German term uh, that he appropriates for how we struggle with the moral code. He calls it the zeitgeist. Uh, and I apologize, yes, to, uh, to all German speakers because of my pronunciation. But, but it means, in essence, it means the spirit of the times. You know, it's, it's kind of what is, we have a different term for it. We might say what is politically Correct. Okay. So what used to be wrong now is right. What used to be right now is wrong because the culture changes. The spirit of the times changes. And according to Dawkins, morality changes with it. Okay. Well, hmm, that's interesting. So, so let's, let's put that on the side here. Let's, let's package that zeitgeist nice and neatly and kind of put it on a plate and kind da. of scoot that over to the side, okay? Yeah, that's good. Because <laughs> there's another, there's another uh, issue I'd like to take a look at, and that is that, uh, you know, somebody came and stole my TV the other day. Really? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they stole they, your TV. They stole my TV. I had a, a 245-incher, and, and uh, <laughs> they uh, no, not really. Is that a truck accessory? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you need a truck to haul it on yeah, a flatbed. Yeah, It's uh, no, we're a hypothetical situation. But someone comes and steals your TV because that's like 20 feet. Oh man, yeah, wow, <laughs> that's awesome. I don't think we even have a wall big enough to put something <laughs> like that on. 
They stole your TV. That's just very some, sad. Someone comes on. They, they yeah, hypothetically, someone comes and steals your TV. Uh, you feel wronged. Well, I mean, wouldn't you feel would, wronged? If it was that big, I would feel well, terribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, you took out a second That's mortgage a movie to pay screen. for the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel wrong. There goes that twenty grand right. walking down the street. You know, some guy walking. carrying it walking yeah, down the right. street at two a.m. in the morning. All right. So, so you feel wronged, uh, and, and you know, there's there's all kinds of psychological terms that people would use. Well, I felt violated, you know, or whatever. Somebody was in your home going through your things, and we've had that happen. We, we had Christina and I when the, when the kids were little. Uh, she was gone shopping one day. I was out of town on a business trip and she calls me and says, I just got home and somebody came, went through our house and they ransacked oh. everything. And, uh, and, and there really is that feeling of, of, uh, insecurity. Like somebody yeah. went yeah. through all of our stuff, you know, and, and they managed to get away with back then that we had actually checkbooks. They got away <laughs> right. with the checkbook <laughs> right. and the, and the, the credit union had them or the bank had them on video trying to cash checks and stuff. But anyway, Long story short, you know, it's like I was irritated. You know, somebody came and stole stuff from us, in addition to the feelings of security for the family and, and concern for all that. But I would have, I'd venture to say it doesn't really matter if a person is a Christian, a person's an atheist, or, or a person is a, 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 a Confucianist, or, a Confucianist. Or, or, you know, a Muslim. It wouldn't matter. I think if, if someone came and stole your stuff, you would feel wrong. You would feel wrong. And do you have a right to feel wronged is the question. If it's a zeitgeist, if it's just the spirit of the times, does that give you moral authority to feel wrong? If well, uh, wait, wait. So you mean if it's just like a passing, like like it's wrong today, but it wasn't wrong to do this 20 years ago, but today it's wrong because everybody kind of thinks it's wrong, kind of wronged? Well, if everybody's doing it, see, then doesn't that make it right? Oh, I see. So it may be wrong to steal if somebody's if someone does it. And you know, culture is adding a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, caveats to this. Well, it might be wrong to steal unless you really need it. And in right. that case, right. then it's okay to steal. Or it's wrong to steal larger amounts, but to steal in small amounts, that's okay, and we don't even prosecute that. But it's okay to steal from billionaires, but it's not okay to steal from the neighbor next door who's in the same income level as you. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so there's a lot of those. You know. It really is in flux. When uh, the the naturalist, from an evolutionary standpoint, he doesn't do much better in this regard because he says that morality is just a function of what is necessary for evolution to take place. So it's good for us to cooperate, and if morality helps us do that and increases our odds of survival, then morality is good. But that breaks down pretty quickly when... There's only enough food for one of us, mm -hmm. and somebody has to go hungry. Then naturalism says, well, what is the moral thing to do is for me to eat first. Right. And if there's some left over for the, rest, for the next guy, well, then that's okay. But it's, it's all about me first. Whereas an older view of morality, and this would be the, the biblical view, is that morality is objective, that... That, uh, that the code of moral ethics, that the moral compass always points north, it doesn't change over time. That's something, a uh, sentiment which is echoed even the in the Declaration of Independence, that those rights which cannot be violated without consequence come as a result of being endowed by their creator with those unalienable rights. It says that the moral code is static, that it doesn't change. Okay, so... 
Uh, all right. Uh, that's a lot to unwind here or unpackage. But if, if we were to take the essence of what you're saying and, and just boil it down, what you're saying is, okay, there's different views over how I'm going to judge what's right and wrong. I, mean, I could say that it's the zeitgeist, you know, hey, whatever sure. society says yeah. in general. I could say that um, it's the majority rules. Like if the majority of the people are doing it, then it's right. Or, it's, you know, if they're not doing it, it's wrong. I could say... Hey, if, if, if the majority of people think it's okay to steal from Bill Gates because he's a billionaire, then he it's can okay. Afford it. Yeah. Okay, but what, what you're saying then, though, is that really the reason why I feel wronged when someone takes my TV or if somebody ransacks my house isn't because of the, of the spirit of the times, and it's not because of the majority rule or anything like that. It, it's really because there is this underlying... Uh, there is this underlying code of morality that everyone, regardless of their background, all really subscribes to, even without realizing it. That's why everybody in that situation, if their tent has been gone through in, in biblical days, they feel wronged. If our TV is stolen in the 21st century, we feel wronged. It doesn't matter if you're in China, if you're in Saudi Arabia, if you're in Canada, United States, it doesn't matter a person is going to feel wrong. It, yes, they will. And, and that's because the underlying code of morality that most people subscribe to, even without realizing it, is consistent. It is. But so notice how our own culture is very much in transition, is very much at odds with itself on those moral issues. In the past, those moral issues were slavery. They were, um, they were uh, uh, drug use. They were racism. They were adultery. I mean, those now those issues have largely, by culture, been been left behind. They've been right. they've been resolved as far as culture is concerned. But presently, we're very much still trying to struggle through. Okay, what about abortion? What about mm -hmm. gender? Mm -hmm. What about debt? What about capital punishment? And in both cases, you know, each side claims to claims to to hold the moral high ground. But on what basis do they make that claim? Right. Well, and, and oftentimes it's a bit self-serving. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> the Republicans are all against massive debt. Unless, unless they're in office. <laughs> unless they're the ones doing the spending to right. get us out of a potential depression or something. You know, then now it's okay. So. Yeah. And then and if people recognize that. I mean, they see the hypocrisy, but they also see hypocrisy when they look at the biblical record and they see something like Exodus 20, which says, thou shalt not kill. And then they're faced with the Old Testament record of, you know, the destruction of cultures, um, the implementation of the death sentence. Uh, they look at those things and say, well, how can the same God who said thou shalt not kill then condone and support and even in many cases participate in the, the very killing of the people he said not to kill. And that's how it appears uh, at, you know, at, at first reading. And yeah, even, even yeah. sometimes people will say, well, religion, and you, this is thrown around occasionally in some circles, that religion is responsible for more deaths mm -hmm. than you can fill in the blank there. Right. Um, that's bogus. Politics is responsible for vastly more deaths than religion could ever claim. But but still, that that's tossed around as a you know as a reasonable objection. Uh, they see uh, they see racism in the Bible when uh, when God says you know uh, I'm going to treat the Jewish people different than I'm going to treat everybody else. Uh, so they say, well, that's racism, and they see slavery, and they think, well, yeah. slavery, well, that's immoral. So right. <clears throat> so certainly, I mean, 
they look at those things and they say, well, the, the Bible can't be, can't be immoral. So right. the Bible has contradictions. Gen- genocide. You know, the, when the Israelites marched through Canaan, they were told to kill every li- breathing thing. Every, li- every, every living thing. Every breathing, living, Th- that one, all of it. All of it, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, if you were to just boil that down to a word today, we would, we would just call that genocide. Yes, you know? we would. And I, it'd be hard-pressed to find a person, Christian or not, that would say genocide's okay in today's, in today's context. Right. <clears throat> but I noticed that many of those objections that are focused on Christianity often don't get moved to the Darwinian position and see the, uh, the contradictions there. We'll, we'll deal with those, but I want to point out that um, oftentimes people who take, who take those objections toward the biblical view don't do the same when they approach the, um, the evolutionary model of, of morality. Which, let's back up real quick. So the evolutionary model of morality, let's just define that really quick. I know you alluded to it earlier, but if you were to boil down the, the Darwinist, naturalist view of morality, it is what? Survival of the fittest. Okay. <clears throat> the so, fittest has the right to survive. So if I, if I need to kill you to, and take your food so that I can survive, that's moral. Well, you have to do that in order to propagate the species so that the strongest are the ones who pass on their genes. Okay. So uh, eugenics in the early 20th century, uh, from that point of view, was not just okay, it was preferable. It is the right thing to do from a naturalist position. To kill the weak in society and, and all those who are blemished so that the strong will survive. Yes, because okay. because that is the greatest good. And I mean, that sounds terribly cold. And, uh, you know, Darwinist morality is not usually uh, described in those terms, but that's exactly what it is. The master race has an obligation, not just, a, not just a preference, but they have an obligation to survive, and that means putting down other races. Okay, it means putting down the weak within a race. So if you've got Certainly. somebody who's someone who's, uh, who's got a physical challenge, society has the obligation to rid itself of those encumbrances yep. and to delete that from the gene pool. An obligation. That is the right thing to do from their perspective. But that is absolutely racist. <clears throat> I mean, at, at its, in its very essence, you, you can't escape that. But nothing then is immoral if it aids the collective process of evolution. So euthanasia or abortion are are perfectly reasonable and necessary. It also doesn't reject anything that might not speak to that. So, for example, sexual predators, if that promotes the race, if that promotes their genes, the answer from the Darwinist camp on that morality is crickets. Oh, so in other words, okay, so somebody, someone who is a sexual predator and they are raping women. Sure. They're on the loose raping women. Uh, if someone's going to be consistent to the Darwinist code of morality, they would say this person is propagated. They are spreading their genes and they're clearly stronger than whoever's supposed to be defending this other person. And so therefore, uh, they, you know, survival of the fittest. Survival it's, it's not of only the okay, but it's actually preferred. Right. Okay. And so even, you know, those contradictions themselves are based on assumptions about what morality really is. And so our question becomes, is morality objective or is morality societal? Hmm. And that's, that is the question that, that we have to ask. So if there's an objective morality, it's got to come from someplace outside. It can't be just another natural cause because then we're back to the evolutionary case. You know, where we see those apparent contradictions, but we've already we've already really crossed the bridge of whether or not there is an objective morality, 
because everyone throughout the world, if their house is ransacked, is going to feel like they were wronged. It's like somebody did something wrong to them. That sounds an awful lot like the human race believes in some kind of objective morality, even if they don't want to say so, don't you think? They do. They absolutely do. And so in many cases, Christians will point to the Bible and they'll say, well, see, because the Bible says thou shalt not steal. So therefore, that's why everyone feels that it's wrong when their TV is ripped from their wall. But actually, morality is is an objective thing just like just like the law of supply and demand is an objective thing it works every time in every culture in every case supply and demand is just a natural law and you you can't violate it without certain consequences now the bible doesn't specify supply and demand um, are you sure about that? I've talked to some people who think that being a supply cider is, <laughs> is it, you know, you, you aren't Christian unless you are a supply cider. Uh, right. anyway. <laughs> or an Austrian economist. Yeah, <laughs> that's got to be in there. See, but the Bible, the Bible does not make something moral. The Bible only explains what is moral. And so sometimes I'll use the illustration of a math textbook. I mean, math just is, right? Or economics just is. Now, you can learn that through observation and experience and experimentation, or you can read the textbook. I mean, you can come up with geometry. You can come up with trigonometry. You can find those things on your own. You can discover them independently. Or you can read the textbook, and you can get there a whole lot faster. Okay, so this brings up a. We were we were working at my dad's place, and, and we were trying to create this uh, a base to put a shed on. And the it was funny. You've got you got all these people, and they're they're working to build this base for this shed. And we knew the shed's dimensions, but when you build a base, how do you make sure the that the you know the corners are square? Uh huh. You know, so really, yeah, sure. So we're sitting here figuring this out. Well, wait a minute. So they. Oh man, these flashbacks back to geometry. Oh, the I love it, Pythagoras. Yeah. You know, so the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> Three, like four, really, and five. We we've really got two triangles going on here with the right angle each, and how do we solve for the hypotenuse, right? So that's really because if you can solve for that, then you can make sure that both. Anyway, so we're sitting here, and I'm trying to go back and remember how did that formula go? How did right. it go? Dad Just, ended up having his next door neighbor <laughs> was a, is a college professor <laughs> of mathematics, and he came over and said, "Okay, here's so what you got to do." He said, but, "Just measure both diagonals." <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> I can't remember. It's probably something like that. Right. But he, anyway, so we we solved for that, and everything was square. But the 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 principle of of how to the mathematical principle was not established by us that day. It existed. Yeah. We were just trying to use it and remember it. And uh, when the professor came over, he he didn't establish the principle. Right. It existed. Right. He was just referring to it. And that's that's a great illustration of natural law. And really, that's what we're appealing to. And natural law can be discovered um, really just by exactly what you described. If somebody steals your TV, we don't like that. Right. It, it's not right. And so a quick test for whether or not something is moral is whether or not its effects are self-destructive. <laughs> so, for example, I mean, lying, uh, adultery, drunkenness, uh, bitterness, being critical. Uh, I mean, all of those things that the Bible that the Bible um, talks about and and uh, you know commands, thou shalt not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't take you wouldn't have to read the Bible to arrive at those conclusions. 
In fact, most people arrive at those conclusions without reading the Bible. Sure. Right? That those things are wrong, not because the Bible said, but because they see the results of those things in their lives and the lives of the people that they touch. So, do unto others, you know, the golden rule, as you would have them do unto you, is really defined by, by practice. And it's not it's not uh, specific or it's not limited to the Bible because other religions come to the precisely the same conclusion. Well, if other religions do, that makes it right. <laughs> well, it should at least give us some additional confidence that this is something that is outside of the Bible, mm. that it's an objective reality. So it's found in other religions. Atheism recognizes that you should do unto others rather than— you know, <laughs> rather wait. Do unto right. others rather than have them do it. Do no, to them no, before they can do to you. He who has the gold makes, makes the rules. There's so many, yeah, they, so many bad <laughs> translations, right? <laughs> but even even atheists recognize, hey, we want people to treat us the way we like to be treated. And in order to do that, we treat them the same way. Human experience tells us that you don't have to have the Ten Commandments in order to arrive at that conclusion. So the guy who—so— so, You've got a relative who was raped. Why do I keep going back? This is a horrible, but but I guess it's a it's it's poignant enough. Her family is going to want justice done. Yes, and that is right and correct, and it's cross culture. It does not matter on any zeitgeist, at any time in history, any culture. Everyone in that position is going to feel like justice needs to be served. Correct. Yes, and that's an interesting point because you can't separate morality from justice. If if there's you know doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, uh, is how is the guide for how we ought to behave and act. But you can't separate that from if someone does what is wrong, then there must be a just response. So. Where do we get that from? Well, we get that from personal experience. You, I mean, you can certainly find it in the Bible. The way the Old Testament describes it is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But, <clears throat> you know, what you've taken, you have to give back. Right. And w- how you've wounded, you know, you should be wounded alike. But just common sense and a little bit of experience brings us to precisely the same conclusions. Mm. Because let's say, for example, that if you, if you steal five hundred dollars, you have to give back a hundred. Hey, man, we'll take that <laughs> transaction all day long. Absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah. Because in that case, it was an uh, an eye for a tooth. <laughs> right. Right. Well, right. if the eye is more valuable, I'll take the eye if I only have to give a tooth for it. Right. And so, if that's how culture operates, then we're incentivizing the theft. You mean like when somebody murders somebody and they end up just getting twenty years in prison? Uh, something like that, okay. right, or yeah, anyway. less, yeah. <clears throat> right? So contrary to maybe what public opinion preaches, all law or justice exists to enforce morality. Sometimes you'll hear, um, you know, well, you can't legislate morality. <laughs> and and that's supposed to make us think that, that laws shouldn't be based on what is right and right, wrong, I right, guess. Right. I guess laws shouldn't be based on morality. We should just have immoral laws. You know, <laughs> right. that way we're not legislating morality. But if they're not supposed to legislate morality, what do they legislate? Right. Uh, you know, they're all based on what is right and what is wrong. And if it's wrong, there's usually some teeth to those laws in the form of, um, you know, of uh, consequence 
if you do this, these are the sentencing guidelines. Sure. And if they don't exist, then the law is without authority. Yeah, it's immoral to kill somebody. That's why there is a law that says that you will be punished if you kill somebody. And the question is how much punishment is appropriate based on what you've done. And if it's less than what you've committed, then the incentive is to continue to commit that crime. What if it's more? What if it's on the other side? Yeah, so somebody is convicted of murder, and so the punishment is is that all of his children, his wife and his his cousins and everybody are all murdered as a result. That's that We would not say that is just. We would not say that's just. Even on a smaller scale, if you steal 100 and you have to pay back 500, that's not just either because then it incentivizes those who are doing the prosecution. Hmm. I see. To seek out, you know, suckers that they can prosecute, right, right. for stealing a hundred dollars, right? If they know that they're going to come out on the on the high side of that, so <clears throat> you know, there's there's some um, mantras floating around, some some idioms. Uh, this is supposedly um, attributed to Gandhi, but um, but you may have heard an oh, eye please. for an eye makes the whole world blind, right? And that is not true. Um, if if we don't take an eye for an eye, then only the most ruthless, see, he'll be the one with the eye left. An so, eye for okay. an eye keeps people from taking the eyes of their neighbor. So, okay, let's back up. So in this conversation, we've crossed a couple of bridges here, but let, let's go back to this one. Uh, the interpretation of an eye for an eye as being an evil practice, because if everyone does it, then everyone will end up being blind. The underlying assumption there is is that the an eye for an eye is established as a revenge tool. Yes. But that's not what an eye for an eye was, is established for. Right. An eye for an eye is established to keep people from poking out people's eyes. Yes, because okay. it will cost them their own. Right. And so, you know, both biblically and in common experience, we know that it is not a good idea to leave those who were wronged in charge of making sure that they get the eye or the tooth that they've been deprived of. But the idea that they're going to go and out of anger and out of revenge, they're going to go and take back their eye plus a little bit more. Well, when emotions run high, it almost just becomes natural to do that without realizing that you're over-tipping the scales. Yes, yeah. and, and it would, which is why the Bible doesn't give them that particular authority. Right. It always, it always shifts the responsibility for the avenging of wrong to the governing authorities, what, whether that was the elders of the city or whether that was the, the magistrates at the time, uh, whatever government is in place. The Bible shifts the authority for the avenging of wrong to those to those authorities, not to the individual themselves. Okay, so to recap where we're at so far. So whether or not a person is a Christian, an atheist, uh, Muslim, anywhere in between all those things, we I think we've established that there is a morality that the human race subscribes to objectively, regardless of their religion or lack thereof. Yeah. Okay, so there is an objective morality out there. Okay, I think we've, all, we've also established that really the, the zeitgeist of the day may reflect some of those moralities. It, it can shift and change depending on, but that really isn't the source of our morality. Um, we've also established that really the Darwinian view of morality really is is defined by do whatever you can so that you can survive. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, but that, 
idea of morality that if a person is really going to use the evolutionary, the Darwinian, the survival of the fittest model for their morality, they're going to bump up against the code of morality that they really subscribe to as well. And that is, hey, uh, an eye for an eye. You do something bad to me, then I have the right to seek justice. Or, but, but there is this contradiction then for a person who would believe in a Darwinian view of the world uh, when it comes to justice. Because if you're going to subscribe to the survival of the fittest model, then you can't then go and feel offended when something a wrong is done to you. Yeah. And so really you've got these two worlds colliding in a contradiction. What what we're saying here is is that in reality there is no contradiction because there really only is one standard of morality and that morality everybody really knows really is encapsulated in an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. All right. So so if morality isn't relative, I mean, if it's not zeitgeist, it's not just whatever the spirit of the times in is, then that's moral for that time. If it's if it's objective, then what do we do with what do we do with the Bible in those instances? For instance, where there is genocide, what do we do with the Israelites going into the land of Canaan and wiping entire populations out? What do we do when people are stoned for this or that? How do we how do we deal with that? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. And you know, it, it it's the one that that uh, that does come up fairly often. We have we just have to take it piece by piece. So, for example, um, genocide, you know, has to do with the with sometimes it's called ethnic cleansing or something yeah. along those lines. You know, and it gives the impression that these people are being exterminated because of their race, because of um, you know their parentage at, at some point, and they're being they're being rubbed out because of that. And that is not what's going on um, in the Old Testament. When God commands the Israelites to destroy the inhabitants of Canaan, it wasn't because they came from the wrong parents. It wasn't because you know they they were of the wrong family. It was because of what they were doing. In Canaan, those cultures were horrifically uh, immoral by any standard, and uh, and the result is God chose to punish them for their actions, not because they were of a certain family or a certain race. Okay, so be, it would be much like punishment for crime today in our society, um, and regardless of whether or not you believe in the death penalty, it does exist. Th- there was a punishment for those nations that fit the crime. There was, exactly. And just contemptible immorality. Like what? Canaan was just saturated in all kinds of established... Infanticide? uh, Would that be one? That would be one. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what's the best way to describe this. So human trafficking is nothing new to, to our culture. So... You know what's going on in in Canaan is established, institutionalized uh, idolatry that includes promiscuity as um, as a part of its practice, and the result of those um, of those pregnancies was they killed those children, um, those infants in terrible numbers. They would include they'd mix the blood of infants in their mortar 
to, uh, to make their temples and even make their houses. It was customary for, um, for families at that time to offer one of their first children um, to one of those idolatrous gods and place the child's body in the mortar of, the, uh, of their house when they built the house in order to, to bless the house. Um, there, are, there are graveyards that contain, uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't try to guess the number, of, uh, of jars made of clay that hold the remains of hundreds and hundreds of infants. Uh, and, and that's the reason that God punished the Canaanites. It wasn't because they lived in Canaan. It wasn't because, you know, their last name end in, you know, whatever. Uh, he punished them because they were killing innocent people. And so an eye for an eye is the same standard of justice that he measured them by, that he measured the individuals in Israel by, um, when they committed the same crimes. Yeah, so to be fair, uh, God does hold the Israelites to the same standards when they began adopting some of those uh, contemptible practices that they had picked up from the Canaanites. They had been left in s when they didn't clear out the land completely. But speaking of which, when... when uh, you got kids involved in this, Mark. So, so you mentioned sure. uh, you mentioned the killing of children because of their untimely birth, I guess, uh, or the circumstances thereof. But in uh, the 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 command to the Israelites was to kill every man, woman, and child. Children are innocent bystanders in this matter, so they weren't deserving to be killed. Doesn't that seem unjust? And I've got sure. So. Yeah, to our modern sensibilities, it would seem that, that children should always be left untouched uh, by the ravages of their parents' decision. Uh, unfortunately, it's just not possible. Um, you may remember uh, some months ago, there was a, a big to-do about children being separated from their parents at the United States southern border. Right. Um, and that sounds horrific. Who would separate a parent from their child? Right. Um, but isn't that what we do every day when we place someone in jail or in prison because of decisions that they have made? Sure. Those children are separated from their parents. And so this idea that, that th there's two problems with it, that, that children should be or could be even um, um, isolated from the consequences of their parents. The first is, is that they cannot. The, it's impossible. Th the decisions of the parents are absolutely going to affect uh, the child. You, you, can't, you can't punish the parents and the children be unaffected. Uh, that's, it, it, it just, you, you can't be done. Right. Um, and so, you know, we see, we see that even in, um, in, in warfare. Um, it, it would be nice to think that the children could be, could be spared, you know, when, when bombs are dropped. Um, it would be nice to think that, that, that they could be somehow, um, you know, somehow removed from that. It, it is. It just isn't possible. You you, you can't you can't do that. But and even if even if you do, Mark. So so let's say that we we use surgical strikes. Yeah. Like we try to do today, which I am not opposed to, in principle. Uh, and I I think there's really only Western. A little bit of a rant. Western societies. <laughs> it is the Western cultures that invented the surgical strike in warfare to avoid the killing of children. 
it's the only only culture that's ever done that really in history because of our really because of our our biblical roots in yeah. trying to make sure that we're only meting out justice as eye for an eye so so but but that said <clears throat> but, but there's a responsibility shift that's going on here too so who's who's responsible for the children being in that position is it those who do justice to the parents or is it the parents who have to accept responsibility for putting the children in that in that place yeah 100 percent. it's the parents yeah it really is and so so even with that um even if you just did circle surgical strikes and you just kill the the warring parents the bad guys the bad guy you're still going to have orphans left as a result because their dad is dead and so the kids are, while they're left alive, they're still going to suffer consequences for their dad's decision to fight in that war. Yeah, it, right? it can't, so it you, can't, you can't escape. You, there's no way to escape it. Um, going down the going down the path of uh, uh, social justice. So I was having a conversation with one of our daughters recently about in in one of their college classes. They were talking about how the Native Americans, many of the treaties, how, how many treaties had been broken. And how land had been stolen from the Native Americans, how yeah, it went th- through the whole deal. Sure. So, so uh, and, and, and there is truth to the fact that there were a lot of treaties that were broken. Okay? Yeah. So the, 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 uh, in this class, they were using the term we. You know, we did this to the Native Americans. So I'm talking to one of my daughters about this, and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you saying we? Did you sign that treaty? Well, No. Okay, so you are not responsible for the stealing of that land, right? Well, no, I'm not. Right, because you didn't sign it. So you should, not, uh, you should not assume the blame or the guilt of that. However, however, if, on the other hand, if society as a whole tries to make this right and does give reparations to those who's, who their parents had land stolen from them— then we, the modern day us, are going to suffer the consequences of the decisions of guys that have been dead a hundred years, because you because of the fact that it's impossible to escape. You can't limit the consequences of decisions to just that generation. No, it, it's a it's really a, a fantasy to think that that you can do that. So you know, if there are cases, and and there are, you know, where injustice has been done as a nation then as a nation justice should be made right right and and but we and that becomes really political when okay well but we're not going to s- s- um select out just a particular part of the nation to make those reparations if it was a national crime then the nation should pay as a nation but same thing we're right back there where we started. There is, and everybody understands that there is a natural law that governs morality. That if you do this to me and I don't like it, then I ought not to do it to you. And justice is just a twist of the same concept that when something wrong is done, then the same thing ought to be given back to those who do it. And so the Bible is not at all in contradiction with itself when it comes to the issue of morality because the bible expounds them both one is the con- or one is the uh, the principle for personal conduct to treat others the way i want to be treated the other is the principle of justice which falls largely under the heading of government conduct that is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth 
And so those two things working together make a functional society, and it's not a contradiction of terms for the scriptures to say, thou shalt not kill. And we'll, we'll see, see you next time on Interman Radio. Radio. This is Interman Radio. Honest questions, biblical answers, and proof that anyone with a mic can have their own podcast.